0: geeks and cinemaniacs, from the heart of Hollyweird, California, at the epicenter of all things eerie and awesome, it's time for Charles Band's Full Moon Freak Show. My next guest got his start, as so many other great talents did, working for Roger Corman during the heyday of New World Pictures, first with the bizarre comedy Hollywood Boulevard, and later with the killer fish classic Piranha. He chased this early success with 1981's The Howling, widely considered the greatest werewolf movie ever made, and then came Grenlin's in 1984, a blockbuster film that almost single-handedly spurred on the invention of the PG-13 rating. He's one of the greatest horror and weird fantasy directors in history. He's Joe Dante, and we are super honored to have him here on The Freak Show. <laughs> Thank you. See, I didn't, I, I, it's all true, and more. We could, the intro could literally be, Three times that length, because there's so many other shows, but you've got to at least sum yeah. it up. It's a, it's a short show. <laughs> it's a no. So thank you for being part of this. Oh, thank you for having me. And and um, I have to begin with Roger Corman, only because he was here two weeks ago. We spent an amazing hour. Roger and I go back, not as far back as you guys, but about 1980, 81, I rented his uh, the ex-lumber yard in uh, Santa Monica, and I made a movie there called Ghoulies, which was very successful. We became friends ever since. And of course, I grew up watching his movies. And he's the only guest so far that made me feel like a kid, because his first movie he made two years after I was born. So, you know, the guy's 96. When did you meet Roger?
1: I Well, I was a fan of Rogers. I, I, I was a fan of his movies. Uh, even before I knew who he was, I discovered I had seen so many of them. Uh, and I saw them, you know, when they were new, which is, <laughs> dates me a little, uh, starting in the 50s. And uh, so when I went to college, uh, there was a, a competition uh, between Roger and Jean-Luc Godard as to who had made the most movies. Really? And, oh, and I didn't know that. Uh, well, not not consciously, but among critics and right, fans right. and stuff. So uh, I had Roger Corman buttons made for, for people to wear, to, so you could identify yourself as a Cormanite as opposed to a Godardite. Whoa! And uh, I took the liberty of sending one to Roger. And uh, he sent me a note back saying what good taste I had. <laughs> uh, and then I got, uh, I got a 16-millimeter rental company called Herlock Cineworld to put out some of his film group pictures that he had made, the non-union pictures that he did uh, when he was, wasn't working for AIP. Right. And um, they became popular on college campuses. So I, 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 he sort of knew who I was before... I n- knew who he was. What a but, way to intro yourself. But, S- send send uh, the dude a pin. <laughs> my friend John Davison went mm-hmm. out to New World to work as, uh, in the publicity department. And uh, he asked uh, Roger if, if he could bring me out to do tr- uh, trailers
0: hmm.
1: and TV spots. Now, the only caveat to that was that I didn't know how to work 35-millimeter equipment at all. I had only made a film called The Movie Orgy with John. It was a seven-hour compilation film of all—it of, was all 16, and there was only one print, and it was a found footage movie, basically. It's called The Movie Orgy? The Movie Orgy. How did I miss that? Well, it was, uh, it was pretty popular in the East Coast for uh, a little bit during the late 60s. Uh, it was seven hours long, wow. and uh, the great thing about it was that if you walked in and you Sat there for a while and then walked out and came back. You hadn't missed anything. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was a, a whole it was a whole bunch of different features that were cut up in different order and interspersed with commercials and pieces of other strange detritus, children's films, the cartoons and sh- and uh, the TV shows that that college kids only dimly remembered. But then when they saw them and they would go, Oh yeah, I remember that! And plus they would all get stoned and they would drink beer and it was it was great. It's popular. Uh, anyway, that was my, <laughs> that's all I knew about making what films. What year was this, more or less? It, was, it started in 68, and wow. I didn't go to work for Roger until 73. So, uh, but by then, I still hadn't learned anything about making films. Right. Anyway, I, I came out to California, and uh, I was left in a room with a print of Jonathan Demme's movie Caged Heat and a Moviola and expected to emerge from that room with a trailer. Wow. Now, luckily, I knew a lot about trailers because I loved trailers, mm-hmm. and I was even collecting them. Mm-hmm. So I figured out, kind of uh, largely on my own, with some help from a couple of other editors, how to make it all work and how to use the synchronizer and how to do the splices and take the stuff to the dupeteria and bring it back. And it was, it was. But, but as with all Rogers proteges, you learn on the job. Right. You learn because you have to. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 Question and problem are laid out in front of you, and it's up to you to solve them. Yes. And if you can, then you can go on to the next step. Right. And so I uh, took my miserable rough cut uh, <laughs> to the uh, Nasek screening room. Um, I, I've sunset, been there. I, I know the Nasek screening uh, room. Where Howard Hughes used to uh, yeah. lock himself yep. in and watch Ice Station Zebra over yep. and over. Uh, and uh, anyway, they, we, we ran this. Farrago of stuff, and uh, and Roger um, did not fire me.
0: Well, this is the trailer you're talking this about. This is the
1: trailer. You ran the trailer. The trailer okay. for the rough cut of my trailer. Right. You know, rough cuts are even yeah, yeah, harder yeah. to watch than other cuts. Uh, and anyway, I managed to get a, hired as the new world trailer editor because Roger had been trying to figure out a style for the trailers of the pictures he was making. And he would hire these older guys and they didn't really get the idea right, of what he right, was trying to do. Right. So John convinced him that if he hired his own people and taught them how to do it, then then he would have a continuity of trailers. Oh, wow. okay. And so I, along with Alan Arkish, who was a, another a, a friend of John's from NYU, uh, became the trailer department for New World Pictures. And we would do uh, all, all the trailers. And um, some of the pictures were frankly not that great. Right, uh, particularly the Filipino imports were a little. <laughs> they, they they actually came only spliced on one side with tape. When they, they, Whoa! They, they oh, wait a minute, them. you
0: got it. But those are movies he, he
1: made bought or the, he, he, bought he bought those. He bought right, those. Right, right. Or sometimes he co-produced them, but m- mostly he bought right. them. Uh, anyway, we we were making ears into sure into much better ears <laughs> uh, uh, and, and at a certain point, we said, you know, you do learn a lot about a trying to make haiku out of a right. out of a, a movie. And, and when you analyze a scene and you realize you're trying to take a three-minute scene and you're trying to cut it down to t- 20 seconds, you realize what shots you don't need and still be able to get a spatial relationship. So right. we started to figure out uh, that, you know, maybe we could make a movie uh, because we certainly could make a movie as good as some <laughs> of these movies that we were getting. And so uh, John and I and, and Roger, uh, and John and I and Alan went to Roger and said, uh, we'd like to make a picture and Roger said, "Okay, but you've got to continue to make the trailers, right? Uh, while you're doing it, and it's got to be the cheapest picture we've ever made, right? That <laughs> sounds perfect." And and we had to we had to figure out how are we going to make a movie that's releasable uh, with the tiny amount of money and time right. that we have.
0: And this is back in the day for people who maybe don't know the timeline. This is all film. This is all heavy lifting. This is editing. This oh, yeah. is not this is the old, the old ways.
1: The old ways. The old ways. And uh, so we came upon the idea. Of what if we made a movie about a movie company making movies that use all these different action scenes from pictures that Roger had already made? Right. And so we—he was making at the time a bunch of movies about teachers, a bunch of movies about nurses. They right. always took the clothes off. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> exactly. And That's so the whole we plot. said, well, we'll do one about starlets. Right. So we made a movie that was then called *The Starlets*, and it was done around footage from. Filipino war movies, Other movies, fiction Roger movies, uh, Big Bad Mama right. kind of movies. Right. And, um, and so all we had to do was to take our actors and dress them up uh, as the actors in our clips and then use the clips and then right. cut back to our actors in, our, right. in the same clothes. And so uh, we made this ridiculous movie. Uh, which is sort of uh, we stole the plot from a Bella Lugosi movie called the Death Kiss about Murders on a movie set okay. and <laughs> oh my and, God. and we don't the plot of our movie doesn't even kick in for like like until the movie's almost over. It's mostly just an excuse to run all this extra footage, but it made for a great trailer because we had all these action scenes from all these movies. Wow, look at all these different kinds of action scenes all in one movie. Someone must
0: have recognized some of them as from prior. Oh, I I think that (laughs) Death
1: Race Two Thousand had only come out recently, so it was really Uh, obvious that they were stealing. But there were also naked girls, so that was good. That's the key. Uh, And anyway, it was uh, Roger. We ran the movie for Roger, and he was not appalled. Um, in fact, he chuckled, and he mm-hmm. thought there were some funny things in it. <laughs> and um, it, it, it got released, barely, sort of. Uh, and then John, my, uh, John and I, John went back to his job, and Alan and I went back to doing trailers. So this was the call The Starlets? No, it was, it was ultimately called Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, right. The streets right, right. where starlets are made. Of course. Um, and you know, it, the
0: whole concept, I mean, I, I use that a lot myself, especially as the home video thing began to happen in the late 70s the compilation, you know, the pulling of material with some wraparound. In my case, many cases I had at the time well-known people. I had John Carradine do one. I had uh, Elvira, who was here a few weeks ago, Cassandra Peterson, as Elvira do what was hosted. I had Sybil Danning, but especially as video was exploding, you know, any excuse to try to put something together with content you owned made sense. That was more ambitious, though, because you actually had people – Dressed up kind of to match the character. Well, characters. that was a
1: feature film. I mean, it right. looks like a feature film when you see it. And if you didn't know that these were clips from other movies, yeah. uh, you would just wonder about some of the strange editing that is involved <laughs> in trying to make it. these so things funny. look like they fit together.
0: Fantastic. So that, okay, so that part is amazing. And then you made one of my favorite exploitation movies of all time, mm-hmm. and I have reasons to tell you, reasons for that, is Piranha. Because I watched that. I say this story all the time. You know, I see. Mo- I've seen most of those early movies in Italy in Italian, and there's nothing weirder. I'm than I'm sure they're better in Italian. <laughs> well, they, they 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 did great dubbing. No, but Piranha was a terrific movie. I thought it was totally fun, and I'm embarrassed to say we recently made one of our little confections that are a little, a little more sexy in tone called Piranha Women. You can only imagine. So, and I think just because it used the word Piranha. It, it was in, in our world somewhat successful, but tell us about Piranha because that to me was such a cool film, and that was a real that was your first movie. Well, movie. that was
1: my first real movie, and and it, it came about because uh, Roger was approached by a uh, Japanese uh, Dutch Japanese woman named Shako van Luen who uh, <laughs> had a, a name. had a script right. uh, that was frankly not very good uh, about piranhas in America, and um, the, Roger said, you know, do you want to do this? And, and I, I thought it was just really kind of awful. And, and, and I, 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 I said, can, can we rewrite it? And uh, Roger had um, a woman working for him named Frances Dole, who was his um, story editor. And she knew about a writer named John Sayles, who oh, had just wow. written a book called That's Pride of the Bimbos. And uh, he, he had ambitions to be a, a director a writer. And so uh, he took on the job of rewriting this picture, and he he did a fantastic job. I mean, it's it's so much better than the original story. Uh, And it was um, a surprise hit, particularly in South America. But in America, it opened during a newspaper strike, so hardly anybody ever oh, reviewed okay. it. So it wasn't really like an official movie. Either, mm. wasn't it wasn't, but it, but it played, and it made some money. And where did you it, shoot it? Uh, we shot it in Texas, because there was a drought here. And okay. we, we, I went all up the coast of, uh, of California looking for a place to shoot it, and, and it was all dried up. Wow. So, uh, but, but Texas was a great place to shoot, because we found all these cool locations. and Yeah, it looked, it looked it terrific, was, too. And it looks yeah. much more expensive than it is. So that was uh, a big hit for what Roger. We d- yeah. What we didn't uh, figure out how to do all that well was the piranhas themselves. We had uh, – we, we, <laughs> we, we got some – we managed to work some great puppetry with the piranhas and right. do some terrific close-up shots of piranhas eating, you know, breasts and legs. <laughs> and, what? And, oh, yeah. No, no, I'm just kidding. And, and, and in fact, when, when we had to uh, – the, the movie – the entire movie was contingent on whether or not the special effects were going to work. So we had to – we're at the bottom of the Olympic swimming pool at UCLA and um, a USC, USC, and um, doing all these tests and then coming back and looking at them and they didn't work and do another, another test. We had a mechanical fish that, that blew up um, and Roger would look at these tests and, and finally we managed to get something we thought was pretty good by speeding up the frame rate. And so Roger was sitting at Nasek's watching this stuff and we had like a half an hour of footage and finally we, we, he, he passed and he said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll go ahead and make the movie. And I said, Roger, don't you wanna wait and see the breasts get eaten? And he looked at me and he said, do I have to? (laughs) No, and so he greenlit the movie. That is a great story. And then some
0: years later, this unknown director guy made a sequel to it, right? <laughs> uh, Jim Cameron did
1: uh, make a sequel that was produced by an, an Italian uh, producer because the original producers went to.
0: But wasn't it a Corman, a New World release though? And I, don't so. no, I don't think okay. so. No, I don't think so. That's interesting. Those rights. And Jim,
1: I, 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 Jim asked me what I thought of the movie, and I said I thought you did a great job with the people, but you know it was a flying piranha movie. Right. And as Jim likes to call it, the best flying piranha <laughs> movie ever made. Uh, and um, it, it's—I it, don't think it's on his resume. Okay. Oh, well, well. Oh, like, what can you say? It should be on his resume. I mean, you know. But it's come been on. since remade by Alexander Aha. I know. Uh, and uh, you know, all, all we did was have our piranhas eat breasts. But these piranhas eat pieces. Oh,
0: okay, that's horrible. horrible. Um, See, that's. That's where well, we go to. Some far. people think it's a step up, but I no, guess no, it's not depends a step up, up at all. Look at it. So, how did you become so incredibly knowledgeable about cinema and hist- I mean, you really. I mean.
1: A misspent youth
0: I, no no I mean, something must have happened really early on I know you love uh, universal horror movies as I do I mean if you go into my office I've got my favorite posters hanging there so was that the beginning as a young kid watching those movies and when TV, I was a kid
1: or? I went to the movies religiously right. I mean uh, I loved going to at first I loved cartoons and then I started to stay for the features and I started to love features and uh, this was the early fifties when there were a lot of atomic monsters. Early fifties? Uh, yeah, you're younger than me. What are we talking
0: about? You, we, no, we I'm are, not. Early fifties? You were going to movies as yeah. a five-year-old?
1: I was. I was born in 1946, so okay. So I was. Uh, I, yeah, I saw them when I was like seven. Okay. okay. And it was pretty scary.
0: That's a scary movie for a little
1: um, kid. It was a scary movie for a grown-up. Right. But right. uh, during this period, there was a, a lot of stuff that was aimed at kids. the The fifties was a kid-oriented yeah. world. And
0: and Corman's movies started coming
1: out in the. 54th they did, but not five. until sort of the mid to late. But right. but the but the early fifties were dominated by Disney and uh, and you know Davy Crockett and all those right, all those right, crazes right. That mm-hmm. the kids and and television the and television right. finally came in and and all of a sudden you could see things on TV. Right. And uh, a lot of old movies were on TV. You know, yeah. the Val Luton movies were on TV. And um, I just, I was inured, I mean, I just had to watch this stuff, and even the, I, even though my parents would say when I came home and I had nightmares, why do you watch these things? Why, if they give you nightmares, why do you go? I, I have to. I have to see these things.
0: Let me ask you, as a kid then, okay, I get that, similar, do you have nightmares today about horror movies, or are, are any of the horrific images that are now over, I don't know how many decades have seen and making, you know, we all have seen all the great horror movies, I'm sure, but... Does that enter your mind at all at night, or is that like
1: a kid no, all, thing? All my nightmares are about politics.
0: For real? <laughs> Absolutely. You know what my nightmares are about? I, I haven't ever said this, but not politics, because oh my God, I just that's, that's that's just please just erase that. You know, it's and I know that having been around for a while, you know, we still get up and things seem to work, and you know, the, the planet keeps spinning, and but I'm always in some situation where I. Don't have my phone. I got to get somewhere. A movie starting something. I got to be somewhere. I can't reach the right person. I'm not sure exactly. It's just one of those reoccurring freaking bizarre themes of my dreams. I don't dream about horror movies ever. There's never been a monster in my dreams ever, ever, which is kind of weird. You'd think there'd be some creepy thing going on. Sometimes I, I dream about uh, running out of money, which I've actually done in real life many times. You know, lack of funds is a, is a nightmare. But never once have I had a dream where there's a monster chasing me. But you did as a kid when, when you started seeing these horror movies, right? Uh,
1: I, whenever I would hear crickets, they sounded like the ants in them. Wow! So okay. I would, I would, I, I, I had, and then I saw tarantula, and at one point the spider is only this big, and it's under your bed, and that's so why I, 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 you don't want to put your feet out because the spider is <laughs> going to get you. But then as I got older, I didn't, I, I that, that sort of went away. And now when I hear about movies, it's ab- always about making movies, and it's always about. Being on the set, trying to get something to work. Okay, well, I doubt. that. Trying I, to get a I scene get to work, yeah. trying to have to do it over again. And I, wow. I, I think it's a, a defense mechanism where, so that you don't have to use much brain power while you're thinking because all you're doing is repeating the same thing over and over. You don't have, <laughs> Maybe. To, you don't have to be inventing anything. Now, now I'm, I'm just going
0: back. Okay, piranha, awesome. And then I know there were many beats along the way, but then you made the um, dialing. I mean, some years later, right? Mm-hmm. It was several years later. Now that wasn't Corman, right? He had nothing to do no. with that. But he's in it. But he's but in he's it. In, yeah. Okay, <laughs> he's in it. It's great you put Roger in these movies. I think it's it's awesome. It's, it's always like, oh yeah, there's Roger. Like poor Stanley, you know, who was in so many of those Marvel movies. There, there's Stan. Um, so
1: tell us a little bit about um, the Howling because that is a
0: terrific. Well, well I was supposed werewolf.
1: to. I was I was making a picture called Jaws Three People Zero at um, Universal, and it looked like it was going to go belly up and uh, my friend Mike Fennell. You mean you were
0: preparing to make this movie? I was
1: was hired to do it. I mean, this is a movie that was going to be made by uh, Zanuck and Brown in conjunction with the, the National Lampoon. The problem oh, okay. is that the two sides wanted to make different pictures. Mm-hmm. The National Lampoon, an R-rated comedy, and Zanuck and Brown didn't. They were very worried about ruining their franchise. Right. And so there was a lot of tension and a lot of argument, and it was, it was uh, pretty unpleasant, and, but it was going to be my first studio picture. Oh, wow. Okay. But I really felt like I was getting the runaround. And um, my friend Mike Fennell, who had worked with me on the other two pictures, uh, was at AFCO Embassy, and he was uh, working on a picture called The, the Howling, where they were going to fire the director was Bob or Amy over there at the uh, time? Bob was Bob was running yes, at a I have time, a good and story I knew Bob there, from from New World, right? Uh, and so I was asked to come over and take over. And the first thing I said was, "Let's get John Sales <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> to great. come in and fix this." Actually, a friend named Terry Wingless and I did a, a pass, but it wasn't good enough. It was still too much like the book. And then John came over and, and obviously you know made it into a much better movie. Right. Uh, so I, I was really lucky in that my first two. Successful pictures were all ri- both written by the same but time. Isn't
0: that amazing? I didn't I didn't know that. My my two second Bob Ramy story is also at Afco Embassy. I made a, a movie called Parasite, which was a three D movie, Demi Moore's first film, and it did well. And then I, I was thought that was about people who lived in Paris. That is that is uh, <laughs> I mean under the yeah that's true. It's <laughs> like well you know mine was I think far more entertaining. Maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, um, so uh, Ramey and I got friendly. And then I started making a movie with sort of my own money, and I had a partner called Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jaredson. It was another 3D film, um, and I thought, you know, this 3D thing seems to be working. But to me, 3D is all about poking things at the audience. And to me, that's the fun part, you know, Buona Devil. Just give me one of those, not these other big movies that then came years later. So I'm shooting this thing, and Raby gets wind of it, and he calls, and I'm on set. And this is, you know, back in the day where there's no cell phones. They had to run to some place in a booth that some PA said go there. And he said, hey, Charlie, I, I, this is apropos Jaws 3, the, the Jaws 3 that then got made. He goes, hey, we got this movie coming out, Jaws 3D. We're equipping all the screens, silver screen, glasses, and you know that was very expensive. And I hear you're making a 3D movie. Let me look at it because if we like it, we'll buy it. and We'll put it on those screens right after Jaws 3D runs its course, which happened. You know, he, he found it. He, he loved the footage. It was a big check for me back in the day. It helped fund a lot of the early... Full Moon movies, but that was after Jaws 3D, which I assume is the movie they finally made. Yeah. Right? <laughs> as, as opposed
1: to Jaws three humans. What Jaws was it? three people nothing. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was actually written by uh, John uh, Hughes, you know, oh, who really? then became a yeah, very yeah. successful director.
0: Oh my God! All right. Well, then, um, anything else in that period before we go a little further down the road to '84? Anything else that was amusing, fun, I'm- bizarre?
1: I can't imagine what it would be. Okay.
0: <laughs> because you sort of segued pretty quickly into Gremlins, right? That was well, sort of actually two actually, I segued right
1: into the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, uh, God. Which right. I was working on when uh, – first I was asked to do Gremlins. And while I was preparing Gremlins, which is a very complicated movie because they wanted it to be low budget and it had all these effects. Really? It, wow. Uh, I was I, – I, I got the Twilight Zone movie. So um, – I was I was shooting that while working on one of the episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, shooting an okay. episode, and then um, and then you know all the all the uh, that came oh, along with that really, particular movie. A, yeah. um, but it was it was great for me because and, and George Miller, who we, we kind of got the the best out of that experience. Right. Um, and then when Gremlins came along, uh, the idea was that um, Stephen wanted to make a uh, low budget horror film because that was obviously what I was known for. Right. And that's how I guess I got the job. Uh, and he wanted to shoot it in um, Oregon at the Osmond Studios um, okay. because I guess they were doing non-union work there. Uh, okay. Uh, and, but then when, it, when we started to really talk about how we were gonna make the movie, it became quite apparent that we weren't gonna be able to have these grumbling creatures who were dominate the entire movie. We aren't gonna be able to do them for $1.98. I mean, this right. is gonna take some effort and some money. And so uh, he took it to Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. So, and and so it became it became a studio. So picture. the
0: low budget horror movie became, became a studio Studio, wow. it was still a low
1: budget studio picture. It was only eleven million dollars all told. But mm-hmm. uh, but it, it we could never have made it as like the Howling, you know in right. that kind of a budget, it mm-hmm. just w- wasn't going to work. Uh, and so we did a lot of R and D and tried to figure out how to make the stuff work. We were going to. At one point, we we're going to put Gremlin heads on a monkey, and that didn't work. For <laughs> um, real? so it ended really? up really Gremlin the heads on a monkey? well. We thought, you know, maybe you know, and, you get a and l- the monkey. L- lucky the, moment, the, m- the monkey. monkey disagreed. Be, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, uh, and so we ended up doing puppets, and uh, it was the. But they pro- were terrific. They were terrific. Well, it, it was, Rod puppets. It, it was hard, fought. Right? Uh, rod puppets and yeah. uh, lots of puppeteers underneath the set. That was my life from that point. I
0: mean, I have made so many puppet and doll movies. That's And, a- and
1: you know how hard they are. Very hard, and Very hard. Uh, and today, even if you use the same techniques, all you'd have to do is do another pass, and you could CGI them right. all out. Naked, right. the puppeteers we, we could that. be right next to the puppet.
0: For a lot of the early puppet master movies, all dolls. The movies I've made over the years, it was all the sets, people hiding poles. You have to design the set and, yeah. around the fact that you yeah. have to
1: hide the puppeteers. That's right. You know, and that, That's right. that that limits your choices about a lot of things. Yeah,
0: but those are great organic effects. I'm not a CGI fan, so I, well, I think not. CGI has
1: its place. But mm. uh, I, I, I've seen some really good CGI. But I think that in, in conjunction with practical effects is the best use of it. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. You, you can use
0: a smidgen of it. But when it's all CGI, I just feel like I'm looking at a video game or a well, cartoon. I just remember
1: watching one of the Hobbit movies. And, and I remember there was, a uh, I guess, a Hobbit in a uh, conveyance of some sort okay. of wheels. And it was bouncing around. And it didn't have any weight. And it it, it, right. it, it, it had a... A disembodied animated cartoon feeling. Right. And it was nicely rendered. I mean, it mm-hmm. looked real, but it didn't have any gravitas. It didn't have any, you know. It's it like just, all
0: those scenes in movies when someone picks up a suitcase and it they must weigh obviously pal, There's, there's nothing in, it, in there. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, guys, put something in there. But yeah, it's all that sleight of hand. So, but Kremlins, well, that that was such a huge hit. I mean, what did you, as a young filmmaker, finally having a big hit on your hands, what was it that uh, that you were? I mean, how did you celebrate? How did you feel? Or Were cho- you just focused on? The I next was movie? just
1: as shocked as anyone. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? nobody. We, we you know we we ho- we hoped that it would be you know a successful movie because it was you know because of its auspices. But right. N- we had no idea that it would be as big as it was, and the fact that it opened big and then got bigger the next week, which is the, the sign of a blockbuster, uh, was amazing. I mean, here I was, I almost got my. Uh, picture on the cover of Time magazine, wow. but the Falkland Islands happened, and I got, oh, I got relegated to the back page. Who remembers that? I shouldn't be so
0: exactly. mean, but Like, <laughs> come on. So, but then, okay. So, I'm just curious now. Okay, movies history. So now you're like this dude. You, you're the director of Gremlins. It's making a ton of money. Everything's like exploding with awesomeness. <laughs> and what did you do to have fun? Was there anything? Did you buy something crazy? Did you travel? Did you do anything with finally some dough?
1: Or well, I'm just one, curious, the human side. One of One of the great things about being a filmmaker is that when you travel, you usually get to do it on somebody else's dime. Right. Okay. So yeah. with Gramans, I got to go all over. I got, I got to do it at the Deauville Film Festival and all these festivals. And, right. You know, and and and, uh, and 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 particularly because uh, the way that pictures were done at Amblin was that they did. All of the foreign uh, dubbing themselves, oh, which meant okay. Interesting. that we were involved in choosing the actors and rewriting the dialogue. Right. And all the dialogue was carefully retailored to whatever um, language, country it right. was going to play in. Interesting. So when the Grumblers are in the bar singing songs, they sing German beer songs in Germany. That's great. You know? and and and, the, and and the gags are tailored toward the pop culture of whatever. That oh, is yeah, so cool. And that's one that. of the reasons why that picture was so successful worldwide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, growing up in Italy, I saw so many wonderful movies, first in Italian, and I saw all the Clint Eastwood movies in Italian. You know, And because they, were, they, they go through such care there to dub these movies, I didn't know about the, the Gremlins thing, about the music. There's always an actor usually who plays the same right. role. So there was a guy, I forget his name, who was always Clint Eastwood's voice. You know, so you get used to that voice, even though you know I know it's a dub movie. Then you come back and you start watching Fistful of Dollars with with Clint's real voice. It's like, wait a minute! But um, no, they, they there are some countries that do an amazing job at dubbing the movies. Well, an I, they
1: they used to do a better job everywhere, even maybe. in America. I mean, all, all, the the dubbed version of Eight and a Half hmm. is, I think, superior to the. the The title version, because there's so much overlapping dialogue in the movie that you don't even pick all of it up unless you can hear it actually spoken. And that version of the picture has completely disappeared. Really? Yeah. All the criterions and everything. There's no English track. That is odd. Really strange. Someone
0: can't find a copy and
1: I, I have a 16. I've, I've said, you know, you can use my track, but nobody seems to care. This is a huge jump cut to more or less modern day. But I'm, I'm, you know, you, you've done
0: such an amazing job with um, trailers from hell. And I have to thank you for between you and Larry Karazuzki finding this little Foxtrot trailer, which then, through just good luck, we managed to find the negative was sitting at UCLA, UCLA uh, Film I'm, Archives. I'm, I'm,
1: I was both Larry and I were really thrilled about that because I mean, it's, I'm not it's, that thrilled because no, it was a terrible movie. I know that's it's not little, the point. It's, it's right, film history, right. okay. and to be able to do something where you can actually save something, right? And 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 as you well know. The worth of a movie is not judged the year it comes out. Right. And maybe not even ten years after it comes out. Yeah. I mean, there are movies now that we revere that were spat upon. That's true. When they were new. But millenniums now,
0: will have to pass before anyone well, looks at Last Fox trying to go, Oh, that, that's a <laughs> clever movie. Nonetheless. It was my first silly movie. It's a
1: building block <laughs> in <laughs> the in the film <laughs> firmament and it deserves to be it, it is a
0: yes, it is a building block. And everything that I learned not to do
1: is in that. In that experience, <laughs> well, you can you can you can use it as a teaching aid, though. But you
0: know, for people who don't know, I literally I kind of erased it from my resume. So when I made my first official horror movie, Mansion of the Doomed, that was movie number one, because I number all my movies, and therefore, we we just numbered films, and no one ever really talked about Fox Shock because I it just got erased. I threw all the elements out. You know, little that I know, the negative, which was left at some lab that went defunct, wound up at UCLA. So for forty odd years, no one's even thought of this thing. So anyway, now it's back in the fold and we call it number zero because i started numbering the movies literally on the you know number one number two and now i'm number 363 or whatever it is but you know y- your trailers from hell and, and we we had some of those shows up on our streaming site for a long time mm-hmm. and it's so great for people who've not seen these i mean where do they find them on youtube more or less or how do well, people they're find?
1: on youtube and they're on our website, oh, from from hell. website. so tell
0: people where to find this stuff because we're well, it's we tra- kind
1: of- is our website where we have uh, we have columns, we have a lot of interesting stuff. But if but if you just go to YouTube, we have a YouTube channel as right. well, uh, and uh, we've done, whew, boy, uh, an incredible number of films. And many of our trailers didn't exist until we started to revive them they weren't already on youtube we the youtube had to come to us and say well right on your trailer
0: for people the few people maybe just few who don't know trailers from hell is not just the trailer it's well explain what it is you're the creator well i
1: had a i i i started out in trailers and i like trailers and and i had a a collection of trailers and i thought well you know maybe some of these might be interesting i could put them on the internet and then i realized well anybody could do that i said well what if i just did a couple of commentaries on these movies using the trailer. It's right. like short attention span theater. I mean the trailer's only three minutes long. Right. So uh, so I did a, I did about five or six uh, old science fiction trailers that I had and I put them up to no particular interest on the part of anybody except a couple of my friends or d- uh, directors said, you know, I, 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 that's interesting. I have a picture I'd like to talk about. Do you think you could find the trailer? And it sort of ballooned into, you know, it's John Landis and Edgar Wright and some other people who were friends of mine. And it just one person found out about it, another person found out about it, and it just sort of built to a point now where we have uh, we call them gurus, our, our, our right. commentators. Uh, I, I think we have like fifty or sixty of them. Wow! And uh, there, and we and we have well, well, up to a, a thousand trailers on there Wow and if you go on our site we've got the whole list but oh my I, I, God. I, I, but you can find them on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, and they stream elsewhere too but uh, it''s a, it's, a, it's a little sort of film uh, school in, in a way right and you could you could actually teach a class with these things because there's a lot of information it's, it's, it's very a lot of them are, are, are very funny commentaries but there's a lot of information in these commentaries and, and they the idea was to intrigue people into watching the movie. Right. A movie that maybe you never heard of, or a director or right. actor you never heard of that you like, and then you say, "Well, I'd like to see some more stuff by this guy." Right. Uh, and and we have actually, it's it's been very rewarding in the number of people who's who've written and said, "You know, I didn't know anything about this movie until I saw it on your site, and yeah, now it's one sure. of my favorite movies." And you know, so it's sort of it's sort of a, a kind of a giving back thing.
0: The whole the whole art form of the trailer. I mean, has changed. I mean, everyone knows what a trailer is, and we've seen a thousand trailers, but. I like the ones that are more of a tease. You don't reveal the whole movie. Trailers today recently seem to be, oh, well, my they God. they just I've give a, away everything. The whole they're movie so seen, long. They're long, and they're, they just punish you like these big movies. Many of these big tentpole movies just slide. I say, wait, is this thing not over yet? But the
1: trailers, too, are three, four minutes, and it's just... And they give away everything. The whole and thing. And it's, it's usually fireballs with people running. <laughs> yeah, well, there's oh,
0: always... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, endless amount of fireballs, but... I mean, you cut them back in the day. That's how you started, you know? Right? Yeah, and I like, I like
1: the old kind of style, the hyperbole kind of trailers where right. they have these, they, you know, cards come on and they wipe on and they fly yeah. around and, you know, and they're graphic and they're fun.
0: I had a wonderful friend who passed away who was a great trailer editor and, and he, one of his first trailers was for a movie called It's Alive and Warners, I think it was Warners, that dumped it. I guess it didn't do well. They and did They took it, it out yeah. again and then they went to, somehow his name was Gary Allen and he got involved and he created the campaign and the The trailer which is basically this camera panning around the side of a baby carriage and it's something to the effect of there's nothing wrong with the Smith baby except and then a claw comes out it's alive right that's like awesome so I went to Gary I told the story before but I went to Gary a few years later and I had my first movie that we were going to distribute theatrically because up to then I'd been in the hands of distributors who never gave me any money other than the advance I thought this is not a good deal I need to do my own distribution the movie was Ghoulies, <clears throat> went to Gary, and Gary was the one who came up with the idea, which I first thought was insane, of having the poster be a ghoulie coming out of a toilet. And I said, well, no one's going to run that. Plus, his copy line was terrible. It's like, they'll eat your ass or something. I said, no one's going to print that. <laughs> then we got more clever, and it became, they'll get you in the end. And, I mean, this is an MPA story. I can't help but tell the story again and again. So we we tried to get the rating, and we did get it, and, and we needed to get a green band to show our our TV spots on television you know and especially with kids and anyway somehow we lucked out and we got that that green band i think it was a green band and it was a big hit we released it in new york 100 screens it did a million five people parents were pissed off like crazy because their kids wouldn't go to the bathroom because they think there's a freaking ghouly <laughs> gonna eat their butt but again that was the trailer was pretty much just that some i forget what the words were and then you kind of move around to the toilet and boom the ghoulie pops up you know very little of the movie is shown Just like, I hate to admit, Foxtrot, which was a terrible movie, and there was not one frame, not that it was a success at all, there's not one frame of the movie in the trailer. It's one of those old-style trailers where people coming out of a movie theater, oh, I think it was this. It was Beyond Filth, but you never see any
1: of the movie. Those are clever, those trailers. They are, especially if you don't want to show any of the movies. Yes, especially (laughs) if you don't want to show any of the movie.
0: So, okay, so Gremlins and... I mean, you've done so much, so many movies. You even did a movie recently. Uh, you directed a section uh, of a movie. I forget the name of it. My brother did the score of uh, one of the. Nightmare Nightmare
1: Cinema was it a trilogy again, or it was a quadro quadr? How, how many? How <laughs> a many? quadrilogy. It was a, oh, were there five or six? It might have oh, five okay. or six parts. Okay, I saw uh, my and it's all part. it's it's centered around a movie theater. That's the, so where cool. The characters so cool. Are come in and they're shown stuff. And but. my
0: brother is so talented. He's done so many of our scores, many of our movies that are the more and he's, he's, he's also he's a great guy to work. For. He's a great guy, but boy, he, he knows how to score. So um, so what else has been exciting over the last? few years
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, trailers know, from hell is amazing you're doing a podcast I do my pod, we have the movies that made me is our podcast and it's okay. been quite successful how do
0: people find that just movies that made me uh, the, yeah
1: or, or, you, or you can go on our site or it's on Instagram and all those places right. um, and it's been great because as you know doing a podcast well did you start doing your podcast before or after COVID I'm only three
0: months old. So oh, okay. It, so if you well, consider this after COVID, we started,
1: we started our podcast before COVID. And right. People would come to Burbank and we would sit around the yeah. table and we'd, you know, we'd do our podcast. Uh, and then COVID happened and it was like, oh, my I guess we're not going to be able to have a podcast anymore. Right. But then the miracle of Zoom, right. which I had never heard of until, right. mm-hmm. until COVID. Uh, allowed us to do people remotely. Right. And so suddenly the the quality of our guests was it, it rose astronomically because right. now they did right. we didn't have to get people who were in town. Right. You know, right, we could right. get people we could go to Europe, we could get, you know, sure. uh, all sorts of interesting people. And so it's been quite fascinating and now we have we, we basically luck into people who have movies coming out uh who, who tell us about what made them want to make movies in the first place. And, That's so cool. And it's 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 interesting. Many of the same movies come up over and over, but also there's a lot of other movies that that you think, well, that's a movie that nobody's mentioned before, uh, and it's it's and also you get to know the people a, a bit, and, right. it's, and, and it's really been. For, for a shut-in like me, you know, uh, I mean, that's when you started as an editor, you're the only guy in the crew absolutely. that nobody knows who he is. That's true. And, uh, and, 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 but you know everything. You know all the secrets. You know the whole You story. know who can't light. Yeah. You, know who can't you know who can't act. You know who can't do good sound. You know all that stuff. And that's why the editor is almost never invited to the rap party. That's, well,
0: (laughs) I will say, first of all, thank you for schlepping across town to come to our little studio here, because this is, unless I'm mistaken, this is not a Zoom moment. You are actually here. (laughs) No, I think, yeah, I think I am. (laughs) You are here. And so when I, I mean, to give you an example, this will be fun. When I started this, because I didn't want to do a podcast, because, I mean, your podcast alone is 50,000 times more amazing. It's, It's not my thing but I do want to talk to interesting people and people that I've known, people that are germane to the business we're in. And I wanted to do it as a, as a show, as a video show, whereas I call it a vidcast. And then I thought, well, why can't I combine both? I can make it a podcast. It can go up wherever anybody hears their, their pods. And, in fact, it's all over the place. But it can be on our streaming sites. So this show is on you know our own app, FullMoonFeatures.com. It's on Amazon US. It's on Amazon UK. It's Amazon Germany. And we get 20,000, 30,000 people watching this every week. And then we're now putting them up on YouTube, which is even cooler. So this has been, like, actually really, really fun. But my hat's off to you because this is my, I think, 12th week. You may be the 12th guest. I mean, we're three months old. How many guests have you had on your show?
1: Um, I, I, in, in, the, in, the, in the late hundreds. <laughs> Maybe, you know, 500, 600.
0: I... Wow, that's incredible. Five or six. I I don't know if
1: I can – I mean – It's a lot more people than I thought.
0: That's incredible. Five or six hundred. But then
1: when you think about it, think about how remunerative it is for you, how much money you make from your podcast. Nothing. That's right. (laughs) It's like zero. (laughs) That's exactly how much money uh, you make. This is – (laughs) this
0: This was not about, oh, let me make some money. I just think this is fun for fans to connect. People, listen, you know, you've made amazing movies. We've had Roger Corman, Elvira was amazing, Cassandra Peterson, Joe Bob Briggs, who's an encyclopedia. I know Joe Bob. He's he's great. John Carpenter was my first guest. So these are people that just I love talking to, you know, and so hopefully that shines through. And I think, you know, filmmakers and a lot of our fans are, are, are people who want to make movies, who are budding, you know, writers and composers. And, you know, I think they they're going to get. So maybe it is somewhat of a giving back thing, well, but, I, I think but that's I, not my motivation. Well, I just want to hang
1: out and talk to awesome people. No, I, th- I, think, that, <laughs> I think the secret of a good podcast is is, is finding p- interesting people that you want to right. talk about. I know when I was on Ileana Douglas's podcast twice, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's her philosophy. She so right. just wants to talk to people who are interesting yeah, to talk that's to. That's it, right. And, and anyway, share that in a way with fans who go, oh, wow, I didn't realize all that stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah, well, you do get some intimate sequence from people, but that usually only when they sort of pop out inadvertently
0: like, what kind of give me one
1: <laughs> uh I'm not wearing any underwear
0: <laughs> well okay that's not that intimate I mean let's well, go with um, intimate, I think. so in your movie I'm gonna talk about silly stuff now so in your movies because we were talking earlier I, I had John Waters on and I'm a big fan now there's a filmmaker with an incredible history I mean just he's been everywhere and, and I love a lot of his work And it's actually fun that he's going right to the Bill Maher show (laughs) after this, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, And, and, you know, like, yeah, we talked about Bill Maher. So anyway, uh, one of the things we talked about is how things have changed so dramatically with back in the day. You know, boobies were flying around. These movies had a certain amount of, you know, a vampire movie. There's a girl in the thing and the – And now all that is really, I don't want to say dried up. That sounds wrong. (laughs) But now, I mean, a lot of the cult movies that we license, not so much my movies, but movies that we've licensed, wonderful movies, Franco we mentioned earlier, Jess Franco, we can't put them up on these sites. Amazon won't have these movies up. Tubi won't have these movies up. Tubi is now owned by Fox. And we love Tubi and Amazon (laughs) because they're carrying this show. But um, the things have changed so dramatically where – Blood, no problem. Heads exploding, guts flying out, language even, but man, a few extra boobies, bummer.
1: Well, you know, it's the uh, the just say no uh, ethos has uh, has come back. Um, it, 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 it's it's a prudish world at the moment yeah. regarding matters of sex, and yeah. it's also so controversial because of all of the um, underground. Uh, m- Problems with people uh, rejecting anything that's not "quote" normal, right? <laughs> uh, and um, and y- you can see it in the legislatures. You can see it in what's going on in Florida. You can see it in uh, in a lot of places. Right. But, but I think that as far as the the culture goes, uh, when when I was working for Roger in the seventies, I mean. Uh, nudity was de rigueur. I mean you, you, you couldn't Absolutely. make one of those That's how pictures I, without it. I mean
0: I started in the 70s. How could you have one of these exploitation movies without a few girls running around? And the plot of most of these movies had No, that that,
1: that <laughs> was the but you you got to remember that 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 was a, that happened right after the introduction of the rating system which allowed them to have uh, nudity right. uh, which had previously been very right. carefully managed. Uh, and now it was like it was open season. Anybody could and 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 as Roger would call it, it's free production value. Right. You know, I mean, you get a girl. Well, I'm not sure if it's you totally get a girl free. to take her clothes off, and that's like you know, you don't have to. You're not augmenting it. You're not doing special effects. You're that is not, true. This is. This is but you
0: thing. usually spend another few hundred dollars for the for for, makeup.
1: For, for, for makeup, yes, exactly. <laughs> for makeup, yes. Um, it, but you know, it's it's. These things go in cycles, and uh, this cycle is definitely. I don't think this cycle is going to end. And, and and you know,
0: it's what well, look is, we still managed to create some pretty cool entertainment. But it is weird how, in the '70s, especially in the early '80s, you know, movies that I made. I'm not sure if any of your movies had any extra. It was your your movies were more. They didn't have a sexual
1: thing going. Well, no, the, I mean. the Howling has some nudity in it, but um, right, but right. for the most part, no. I mean, I was I was doing largely PG right. kind of things exactly. at the time, but uh, but that didn't mean I didn't want to see a Ken Russell movie. I mean, you know, right, I mean, right. it, 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 but. Uh, it's it's a different uh, atmosphere right now and yeah. also coupled with the fact that we're not shooting or projecting on film anymore it's all digital
0: that is true
1: uh, do you miss the film a little bit or i I miss the uh, well I, I miss the editing I miss right. touching film I yeah. when people come into my editing room, I have film hanging all over me that, yeah. you know, and, and you know the, the the idea of being able to judge the length of a scene by going like this exactly. and seeing how many frames there were. Um, and, uh, you know, you gained a facility for that after right, a while. Right. But um, I, I can't deny that it's so much easier to, to be able yeah. to use the machine. But the all machine. Of these
0: shortcuts, I think, are, I mean, look, we're not going to go back to film. It, it cannot happen. So we both know a bunch of tricks and things that I grew up as a, an apprentice, which are completely useless training, <laughs> useless information. My dad had me do everything on set. In the editing room, I even numbered negative with a white mm-hmm. ink. Anyway, so all that stuff. Edge is numbers, long. yes. All that stuff is is long gone. But um, there was something, I think, different. Even as a director making these movies that we make on a small budget, you know, being careful with the film, the short ends, knowing you have 200 feet left in the scene and you have to time it. Now it's just you just let the thing roll. Well, now so, you don't
1: even have to say cut. No. You can just that, leave it on and just that's right. slice like, it all out later. That is true.
0: That is true. All right, so all that, you know, obviously has changed. But I- at least, I-, I guess in a way, if you forget the, the the traditional running time of a movie in 80 minutes or 72, which is about well, as long. That low, was
1: a long time ago. That was
0: a long time <laughs> ago. Now it's just entertainment. And you talked about it's a short attention span with a trailer of three minutes. Well, now we got TikTok. Three minutes would be a really long TikTok. You know? yeah. So, I mean, it works. It works. But, but then how only. do you
1: account for the fact that all the Marvel movies run three hours? But to me... <laughs>
0: I can't even get into that. Yes, they're two and a half hours. And it's, you know, to me, these movies, these sci-fi fantasy action movies should be 90 minutes. I mean, the past 90 minutes with I, rare I, yeah. I exception is just painful. I, I saw
1: one of them recently and it was obviously well-made and well-produced well and, yeah. and all that stuff. But it was the same scene over yeah. and over and over. And eventually I walked out. Yeah, It yeah. was I, just like, I get it i walked
0: out, sadly, many
1: times. I mean, I want to enjoy them, And occasionally you have,
0: you know, Iron Man was terrific. Wonder Woman I never was...
1: used to walk out of movies. I used to think uh, if I, I stayed did. to see a movie, there would be one good scene, there would be <laughs> one good shot, there would be a good score, there would be a good performance. There was... But one I day, out, I, was, I, mean, one day I... I was watching a picture called Swamp Thing. Okay. And Corman's show? Is no, no, no it's West, it was Wes Craven. Okay. It was oh, right, after. right. Yes, okay. And uh, it was not very good. And I was with John Landis, actually, at the Pacific Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm. And, this, and it, it, it dawned on me that the Swamp Thing's costume didn't even fit because it was hanging <laughs> down <laughs> oh, no. off his crotch. And I turned to him and I said, you know, life is too short. And we left. Wow. And that was the first time I had walked out on a movie ever. And ever since then, I have become much less... Uh, circumspect. You know, the problem is, is,
0: again, the experience of going to the movies and an audience, and an audience could be great if if it's a good audience and they're reacting to the movie. There's something about that that I love and miss. Because recently, most of the movies are these big tentpole event movies. There's not much else. And putting aside the movie being too long, and I've walked out Plenty of times recently, just because, oh my God, somebody is like the phone's flashing over here and someone's saying something really stupid behind me. And it's, you know, it's no longer that experience. And now we can be at home, you know, with a huge screen that costs no Mm -hmm. money. You know, I got the first flat screen ever made. I won't tell you what I spent. It was a ridiculous amount of money. It's like many, many, many thousands of dollars. I wanted the flat screen. That same screen today, I'm I'm sure that size is 200 bucks. So when you can fill your wall up with that size image, and you've got you know HD or better yet 4K and all these different and good Ks sound. and really good sound, and the alternative is spending you know hundred odd dollars for a family of four going to a movie where, you know that's yeah. kind of the world we're in. Which I hate to say say and that. And then the I money love. on and the popcorn money and the popcorn, yeah, we, which is how the is. theaters make their money. So I don't know, but um, anyway, here we are in 2022. Um, And I've I've got to ask you this as we sort of close this amazing – I mean, we could talk a lot more, but I think this is a good – it feels like the right size and length. I have people texting and emailing and doing whatever they do to send us messages saying, please ask these amazing guests. Give us a little advice or guidance. Tell us a little bit about what to do because I think that half the people watching this and half the Full Moon fans are in some way – not some way. They're artists. They're aspiring artists. They want to make movies. They want, they, want And it's hard. You know, I, I think it's much harder today to do what you and I have been doing for many years than it was 20, 30 years ago. And mainly because of the digital world. It's just, you know, I can expand on that, but let's just assume for a minute I'm kind of right. How do these people have a career in this business?
1: Well, people are always asking me that. And uh, I always preface whatever I'm going to say with the fact that uh, I can tell you what, my story is, but right. it is completely irrelevant to you. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the, the world that I w- became a filmmaker in has completely changed. Right. Everything about it is different, right. including the way that movies are consumed right. and the way that they're distributed. Uh, and if you – the one thing that is in your favor is that it is actually physically easier to make a movie – Right. than it ever right. was when we right. were doing it. Of course. You know, we didn't have to do the trips to the DuPateria. Right, we didn't right. have to do all that. Yeah. We didn't have to carry heavy yeah. cans. Many times. Uh, you can do it on your computer. You can yeah. do it on your phone. Right. Uh, but what you, what, what you still need is you need a story. Right. And you need characters. And you need something for people to hang on to. Right. And a reason for there to be a movie. Right. Uh, and I, I usually tell them, if you have friends... Um, get them together because you don't do it alone. Right, You need, you need to have people to help you. Uh, if you have people who want to act, people who want to write, it's, it's almost like if you know people who are in little theater. If you want to shoot something, you, 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 first of all, you need to learn your craft. You need to learn how to do right. it. Watch, right. watch a lot of movies. That's, right. that's a great way to do it. But when it comes down to actually having to wield the equipment, um, you need experience. Right. You need to do that, and you need to fail. Right, and you need to try things that don't work, and you need to stick with it, and because, you need to stick boy. with it. If you do it with your little brother in it, right. you know, as I did when I was in shooting in Super right. Eight when right. I was a kid, <laughs> I mean, that's that then then that's exi- that's that's right. a piece of uh, a piece of experience right. that's going right. to help you, and so you have to stick to it, and right. you have to be dedicated to it, and you have to not give up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you have to be a, a good salesman, too. You know, let's face it. Look how you got into Corman's world, sure. the story you told a while ago. And, um, you know, I've, I've known my whole life artist. I'm the son of an artist. My, my father's father was a well-known painter, um, sculptor. The reason why we're all here and alive is he got a gig from the White House, and he went to do a bust of President Roosevelt. And luckily that was during a time when good thing not to go back to Europe, World War II. So, I've met so many and I've talked to so many, and uh, many of them who fail, they may be wonderful what they do. They can't sell, they can't promote themselves. You know, you have to be able to be a bit
1: of a huckster, too. I hate to use that word, but you you have to go
0: out there and know how to sell. And that uh,
1: that comes into ego and uh, confidence. Yeah. And you you have to, even if you don't have confidence, you have to fake it. Fake it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) People have to think you think you know what you're doing. I, That's why they often say you should print the first take. That's right. On your, on your first movie, say just print it. Now, just print of course, it. if the camera fell over, then that makes you look stupid. Yes. But if, if it's halfway decent, you just have to the crew wants you wants to believe that you know what you're doing. Absolutely. And uh, and they will be <laughs> they'll be on your side as long as you look like you know what you're doing.
0: Question. So I've made hundreds of movies, you've made tons of movies. And this is does not relate anymore to the digital world. But back in the film world, they would always yell, check the gate. Now why? Would you check the gate? Before you give me the answer, the, the film rolls through the camera and the gate. Will, well, you explain it. You tell them what it means. When, when, when the cameraman or the AD goes, before we move on, check the gate.
1: Well, sometimes uh, in the gate, which is where the film goes through, right. uh, there can be a hair like a pubic hair. Uh, that, that, <laughs> I'm that. just sorry. And totally. there, there, there are a number of Warner Brothers cartoons that have jokes about little hairs that appear really? in the corner and then a big black hand comes in like, like uh, a and tries to pull them out. Uh, but also uh, uh, hairs can scratch the film. Right. And so when you check the gate, it means that the film is is safe and right. you can send it to the lab. No hair, no there's, scratches. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. <laughs> but we don't do that anymore. There's no gate. There's no gate. Well, there's, there's does no, there's that there's mean there's no hair? No
0: gate. So here's my question. I've made whatever, and you've made all these movies. Have you ever had a, an experience where there was a big hair in your film, and you oh, we should have checked
1: the gate. Oh, there's a hair in the middle of, uh, ever. I can't say that I have, although I have had experiences where the film was scratched uh, and... Uh, I uh, did a picture called Matinee, and there was a nighttime. I scene Matinee, with Matinee. John Goodman. That was right side of the theater, and and there was a big line right through the middle of it. And uh, but it was such a good take that I, I I said let's spend the money and let's have it let's fix it wow. digitally. And this was nineteen. 19- God, what was ninety that? something? Ninety three, uh, right. and uh, and uh, so they managed to make a pretty good composite shot. Good shot, for you putting, to But, have that but I can I can always tell when I see that scene that it's a little degraded. Really?
0: Yeah. William Castle. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan, and so are you, right, and Matt? So is John. that sort of the uh, <laughs> right. That's that's very very true. Check the gate. All right. Well, listen. On that, I, I super appreciate you being here. Seriously, this is so much fun. And I recommend to everyone watching, check out Trailers from Hell. Check out the, your 700 episodes of your podcast. It's like, we got 12 here. I'll, Are you I, working on it? I, yeah. it's right ahead. But you must be – it's physically impossible. You couldn't have done just – we're doing one a week because we're shooting this and I'm making movies. Pretty, yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. Yeah, but the math isn't – no, you must have been doing several weeks sometimes because – Oh, we did. Yeah. yeah. But then There's we take a week off. Two years, 50 – what is it? 104 weeks – but you've made hundreds. so somehow. I have doing
1: hundreds, but I don't know exactly how many hundreds. Okay. So I could, I could be exaggerating. More, we're in le- Hollywood. Less That's, hundreds than I thought. Uh, we're
0: in Hollywood. It's totally okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. That's it for this week. Remember to follow The Freak Show for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to watch our video version of the show on Full Moon Features and Full Moon's Amazon Prime channel. See you dudes next time.